Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Generation Digital Workforce. I am Donna Edwards, your host for today, and joining me to discuss Blue Prison support for national emergency response to COVID-19 are Dr. Dale Myers and Anna Toomey. I'm going to start by introducing our guests. Dr. Dale Myers, Major General, U.S. Air Force, retired, is a partner in Bridge Lane Limited Partners, supporting the Blue Prism North America Government Solutions Practice. Dr. Dale Myers is a permanent technology and cybersecurity strategist. With four decades of combined public, private, and academic leadership experience, he is the influencer of influencers. His perspective is highly sought after by business executives of all stripes, as evidenced by a long list of satisfied clients and hundreds of media interviews, conference presentations, and article citations. His award-winning doctoral thesis focused on the acceptance of technology insertion in the field of telemedicine. He's an adjunct professor at Carnegie Mellon University, running their Cybersecurity Leadership Certificate Program. Dr. Myros is a man of many firsts. He was the first presidentially appointed and Senate-confirmed Chief Information Officer for the U.S. Intelligence Community, the first general officer assigned to help build the nation's first Homeland Defense Command, U.S. Northern Command, in the wake of 9-11 and a leader on the team that fielded the first major use by the U.S. military of remotely piloted vehicles during combat operations. Dr. Myros is a Southwest Asia veteran with over 30 years of service and has been inducted into four halls of fame and honored with nine Lifetime Achievement Awards by various professional associations. Also joining us today is Anna Toomey, Healthcare Solutions Advisor at Blue Prism. Anna's coming to us today with 20 years' experience in serving both U.S. and international healthcare organizations, both public and private sector. Integration and intelligent analytic solutions, including the use of RPA, AI, and machine learning. Anna is passionate about projects which involve emergency preparedness and the health of national and international constituents. Anna has worked with some of the greatest teams of public and private sector and has been advisor to numerous state and local government entities throughout her career, including Bioterrorism Administration Manager for City of Houston, Strategic Advisor to the Department of Health in North Carolina, and Health Information Exchange Advisor for Dell Corporation. Anna joined the team at Blue Prism last year after seeing the tremendous value adding that Blue Prism technology brings to healthcare. She believes the ability to truly change the future of work begins with RPA. I'm going to get us started today. Both of these speakers come with a wealth of knowledge to share with you their perspectives on preparedness, technology, COVID-19. I'm going to open up with Dr. Myros. Welcome. Oh, oh, thanks, Donna, very much. And uh, it's my pleasure and honor to be on on this uh, uh, podcast and, 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 in fact, joining Anna who is eminently qualified to talk about the subject at hand. When when confronted with a crisis, it's my experience that a decision maker immediately thinks I need two things. I need subject matter experts on whatever subjects at hand, and I need as much information as I can have to do the right thing. 
I've seen this play out uh, in many aspects, a lot of it in, in the military. I worked three years in the National Military Command Center during, during several combat operations. I have Middle East service, uh, worked in the conflict in the, in the Balkans, and, and I was in Cheyenne Mountain on, on 9-11. And the, the element about needing immediate subject experts and as much information as you, as you can get played, played in all of those. And for the last decade or so, I've, I've talked in the, uh, not only universities, but I've, I've also uh, counseled companies on how to deal with risk and response. And while today we're going to focus on, on government response and, and, and the pandemic uh, brought on by, by COVID-19, uh, many of the things that we'll talk about and touch on, I think, are, are directly ap applicable across the board, whether you're talking uh, public sector service or, or, or private enterprises. One of the things that, that a lot of folks may not realize that, uh, that since 9-11, the reorganization of our, of our government to uh, focus on, uh, on national uh, emergencies with the creation of U.S. Northern Command and the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, we've had a series of what we call top-off exercises. Top-off stands for top officials, in which uh, they, they look at, at how are we going to handle various types of emergencies. And about every six months, they would move around the country and practice with states and municipalities on, on responses to, uh, to exercises, uh, crisis exercises. None of them actually had, had the impact because we worked with certain states and, and local things, but the impact nationwide that we're seeing in this, uh, in this current pandemic situation. So, you know, that, 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 is, that has definitely, definitely put, a, put a, re, uh, a wrinkle on it. But again, when you're looking at, at people trying to do the right thing in the midst of a crisis, you end up with a collision of developing events and the ability to handle those events and decide what to do. And typically, the way we've handled that in the past is uh, manpower. There's not, not some cell of, of people capable of handling any national emergency sitting around idle doing nothing. Uh, so, in fact, you build a task force, much like the White House has built a task force, much like each of the governors have built one, and many of our municipalities around the country have built a task force of government officials, experts, and such who gather information, provide that information to the right decision-making element, and the decision-making element helps guide the execution of, of uh, mitigating the circumstance and correcting it. And in the past, it's, it's always, you know, how many people can you effectively bring together and, and uh, provide a means of, of uh, communicating and sharing information. Uh, RPA, I, I, I think, is, is, uh, is a change in the ability for not only the federal government, state governments, municipalities, but even companies to change how they look at the initial moments of, of a crisis response, whether it's a cybersecurity breach into your company's database or a pandemic in the citizenry of the United States, North America, and in fact, this, this case, the world. So I think in the future that every workforce will have a human component and a digital component. That digital component is what we're going to talk about a lot today and what it can handle, the things it can do, and how it can assist in the, uh, in the handling of, of crises 
in the business of, uh, of making the right decisions at whatever level the decisions need to be made at. And so uh, I think it's safe to say that, that whenever a, a crisis arrives, the first, first thing you need is, need is how, many, how many people in the past, how many humans can I get to man the phones? Now it's a matter of, I think, not only man the phones, but man the screens, man the digits. I think that's where the digital workforce, people call them bots, people call them robots, people call it RPA, but in fact it is a digital workforce which is able to do several activities much faster, much more reliably, and more consistently than a human can perform those, such as gathering information, comparing information data points, reading sensors, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's what I think Anna and I are going to talk about a lot today. Uh, I will try and provide the conceptual piece of it, and then Anna will, will follow, I, I think, with, uh, with examples of use cases, uh, practical use cases, that I think will be of interest to our audience. Thank you. And I agree with everything that you've just said, and I had the pleasure of working with uh, Dr. Myros on some of those events that, we talk, that he talked about in the emergency and disaster planning. And, over the years, we've looked and, and wondered, you know, what changes in technology were going to take place that were going to affect in the plans, or at least I have, and I'm, I'm sure that he's felt the same way. But uh, whenever I saw what RPA brings to the table and what he was talking about and how we have these surges that, uh, you know, where you need a, a task force immediately, and you don't always have readiness available, and you're left searching and wondering where your data is that, that, that you need to make the effective decisions that you have to make. This is one of the ultimate abilities that, we, that I have found to get to information and upsurge the task force around you by putting a digital task force in place. Because RPA provides the bots and the seats to help free up the boots for the streets, right? That way you're not having the, the workers that you normally have to rely on to grab your information from various different sources for you to make your commands. You have all of that already taken care of by the digital task force and your human task force can actually be putting, to get, you know, putting their skills to use and doing the things that only humans can do that a digital worker can't. Or vice versa, the digital worker is over there collecting your information and taking care of business as usual. Even more prominent during this time is, you know, since all of us had to, have had to work from home or various different isolated locations, it's been even harder to get workers in place that can actually do the tasks, human workers in place that can do the tasks that are needed to carry on business as usual, not even to negate the difficulty of a surge that you need in getting the information in the right place at the right time. So this is this has proven to be the true digital task force that is needed in times of crisis such as this. And I, I was excited to learn that. I wasn't excited that it happened in a time of crisis, but it was something that I foresaw would actually be able to help us in, in the now and in the up movement of the original work that needed to be done during, you know, to take care of this particular crisis time. We've I've thought through this scenario many times in life since we've worked on these emergency management plans for so long and wondered, you know, if there was ever a need or a time and how it would actually be handled. And to see that the digital task force is there and able to execute effectively to take care of some of these things has been 
a relief and a, and a, a fabulous addition to to the plans that we've made. Um, would you agree? Oh, I would absolutely agree. And I'd like to pick up on something that you said. Bots in the seats replace boots in the streets. And and I, I really think that that captures uh, a lot. And so, so if, if I might, let me go back to this business about the need for information and the need for people to get that information. So in essence, I, I see RPA and the digital workforce as being that surge capacity that can be rapidly and immediately deployed. Because think about it, all right? So I, I'm a decision maker, and so while I'm gathering my subject matter experts to give me expert advice on the topic at hand, at the same time, I need to be gathering information. So I need to gather information. There's some of it that already exists, and you gotta find it. And then there is some of it that is developing events, and you've got to be able to sense those and, and, and figure those out in as near real time as, as, as they happen. After you gather both existing as, and as you're gathering developing information, you have to compile that information. You know, it doesn't do you any good to, you know, bring it in and put it in a big stack. You have to compile it so that it makes sense. It has to be paired with, with related information, provide context, those kinds of things. And then you got to be able to analyze it, you know, are there thresholds that have been met, things that, that, that create a sense of prioritization or urgency. And then as you do that, it, it doesn't do any good for a machine to do anal, analyzing without letting the human know what it's analyzed. So it's an element of display. And then as it's displayed and, and the subject matter experts are making the recommendations and the decision maker is deciding, is deciding what to do, how do you communicate that information? Okay, so some information is intended to be shared. Some information is intended to be directive. And so, you know, to be able to facilitate that, to share it, to correlate it, you know, some information has to be correlated. These are all the kinds of things that when you need a surge in manpower and capability are the kinds of things that a digital workforce can do and probably do most of them, if not all of them, better than a human workforce. Fewer errors, complete auditability, you know, they don't have to take a coffee break. As a matter of fact, they can work all night if you need them to work all night. And so, so I, I see the digital workforce as being the constant presence, the constant feelers, the constant gatherers, the constant compilers, analyzers, displayers, and communicators of information that subject matter experts and the decision makers need on a continual basis. And so I, I think that's a perfect blending of the human workforce and the digital workforce. And I know that uh, that Blue Prism has uh, several examples of that. And if, you, if you'd like to highlight a couple, that would be great. Yes, and, and I will keep that in, in the present day. And uh, currently, some of the projects that we've been working on with a lot of different federal uh, areas are focused on just that. Whenever you have one uh, federal division that has the need to have, uh, you know, a lot of different um, blend of military cohorts that are either responding to a specific incident, out cleaning up and decontaminating certain buildings and things like that, and you have a reason to monitor and move those around, how better to have that done than blend all of this uh, information in services regions. So one of the things that we've been working 
information of logistics and operations for military cohorts, uh, supplying information for supply chains and ordering of the PPE and hazmat equipment and supplies, taking that workload off of military workers that would normally have to be sitting there supplies. Okay, we get a request in from this governor that says, I need three more res- or 300 more resources over here because our surge capacity is at its fullest. Our healthcare workers are overworked. Uh, where can we get some military backup? And so we, you know, in times past, we would have to log in to, to the DEER system, say, okay, what, what military boots are available and how quickly can we get them there? But we have to protect them, right? We have to make sure that these are individuals that are not going to be at risk, that they have their proper PPE and hazmat equipment. So there's a lot of logistics and maneuvering that humans were having to handle before that can now be easily manipulated through the use of a digital worker or a bot, as we call them sometimes, but um, because they can execute on those and they can supply directly to the leadership up-to-the-minute plans and updates in a war room-type atmosphere so that they can quickly see, okay, we see a surge of activity over here. There's a lot more cases that have been identified, and we don't have enough support. So we need to move some additional resources over there. But how do we get the equipment to them? How's transport? Okay, the digital workers are already handling that. They're moving people. They're notifying the directors to let them know that, you know, these are this is the selection criteria, this is the group that needs to be moved, and in some instances, we can even go ahead and start to notify and process orders to have those individuals moved, as well as the proper PPE and hazmat equipment. So that's, that's one area that, that we've been focusing on. Another is, of course, because of the uh, crisis and everybody being indoors more and not actually, if you're not to the point of actually having to be hospitalized or feeling that sick, most of them are calling into call centers. One of the first call centers that was opened up was the CDC call center, and it immediately hit max because so many people were calling. Even from personal experience, when I was assisting a friend, it took somewhere close to three hours to actually get through on that that call center. And these were these were surges that we had tested during emergency training that um, General Merrill's mentioned, and then we knew that there were going to be a need for, to offset some of that surge during that time. So that was one of the first areas that we concentrated is call centers and doing uh, preliminary type tri- triage to connect our patients to either a telemed doc so they could go ahead and do advanced triage directly with their phones or, or through a computer instead of having to have them go in and actually expose themselves. If they weren't if it was a if it was an influenza case, we don't want them to go in and be exposed to something that is potentially life threatening, right? So the way to collect that data and information is to, is is to have a use of AI actually listening in on the calls as well. The bots can pick up on certain things, can execute information, can pull back responses for the medical assistant that's on the phone with that patient and say, you know, are you experiencing certain symptoms? Even sometimes while they're still on hold, they can be answering questions on their phone as to which type of symptoms and we know where to direct them, either to the closest testing center, to a telemedical doc, et cetera. So that's some examples of some of the things that we've been working on here to um, to alleviate the stress and, and supply benefits to those that um, need them right now. Anna, those were, those were great examples. And, and you remind me of a, of a part of, of the equation that I think it's important for us to focus on. 
I'm going to plagiarize on a, on a phrase that we've all heard of the fog of war, and I'm going to call it the fog of the crisis. And it's the same human interaction issue of everybody dealing from the same sheet of music, everybody understanding what those above, those below, and those partners are all doing at, at, at the same time. And so uh, I'll talk about it from the top down, and you have a great amount of experience from, from the bottom up. And so in the military, we develop what is called the common operational picture. And again, the idea is, is that the various echelons of command can see what everybody else is seeing, can anticipate uh, what their part is, and, and can be uh, more proactive and more effective. So uh, how many times have, have we been in a, uh, an operations center you know, me at the national level trying to talk to you at, at the state level or the city level, and I push information down and I don't get any acknowledgement. I don't see that you've seen it. I don't see that you're taking action. I, you know, and, and so it's this big, I, I don't know what you're doing. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, realizing that I've probably overwhelmed you, but I immediately want to know, are we okay? <laughs> and, 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 and so, so the, the business about facilitating information uh, is, is an area that, that, uh, that I think the digital worker can help with, help with a lot. If you'd like to go ahead and give it your perspective from, uh, from the state up or even the state down to the, down to the municipal areas. And I and I absolutely agree. There have been many times that I mean I'm sure you've experienced it as well. Where okay, we call, we give a command on on the phone, or, or we say, hey, you know, we're we're in need here, and like you said, that everything is put on pause, and we don't have interaction that we need to go ahead and get the decisions made. And so sometimes we have to make an executive decision. But that's where this this technology actually plays a role. Not only does it make sure that it delivers the information properly? It gives you a, a information back that says, okay, they received the information and we're waiting for a response from them. It can actually, you know, go back and forth with that person and it can tell you what's going on in that direction because why? It's all electronic. It's, it's thinking outside the box even more than maybe a human task a human task force would be at that in that particular time. So in that particular instance, whenever you're in the midst of a mitigation and risk mitigation at that time, you need that added capability to take action before you move any you know proceed and and make some type of executive decision that can, that may or may not be uh, supported by the data that you're receiving, right? And so, yeah, go ahead and, and expand yeah. on Yeah, so, so the business about the data we receive, that, that, that kind of brings to mind some of the top-off exercises and some of the real-world military operations. We don't have all of the experts at the top level. You know, there, there are subject matter experts at the state level or at the municipal level or in a laboratory or someplace that's that's, that's not necessarily in the operation center at the national level or even, or even the state level. And so the obligation, you know, the decision maker wants the best information that he or she can get, no matter what the source. And so the ability for subject matter experts at the various echelons of work in a crisis, I, I, I think is huge. And that's different than sharing information. That's a collaboration of, of expertise that again, Decision makers need to reach to wherever they need to uh, to get the uh, the best advice that they can, given 
given the situation as it develops. Right, and I agree. And some, of, and we've seen that um, even in this current crisis, that a lot of times the decisions or the decision makers are actually our labs have been every, you know over the past three or four months since we've been going through this. Our 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 labs have been going uh, continuously, uh, nonstop. Okay, what are we doing for prophylaxis? What are we doing for testing? Testing wasn't even an option at the very beginning of February. Um, so to even move to that to that layer and get to that to that level, there was a need to start automating. But now, actually, now that we're starting to maybe go past the curve, and you know, America is starting to look at okay. The art of the possible. Are we actually going to be able to get back into the workforce? How is what is going on in the labs going to impact what's going on with us as, as we start to move forward and, and stand up our economy again, et cetera? So some of the things that we've been looking at is taking the immunization capability and or the clearance capability and having something similar to, okay, why not use this technology such as IoT or such as your mobile phones and technology that we use on a daily basis that might not have been brought into the equation had RPA not been put in place, right? But now with RPA, it can, it can actually communicate with your device, collect information on the person that is maybe wanting to go back to work. For so one application that we've been working on with a partner is automating the immunization and clearance capability to get a work pass or a work process called a Corona Pass, very similar to what you would have if you if you were to get on an airplane if you needed to step on the airplane, and so you you know you you can make an application and say I'm ready to go back to work, um, I have no symptoms, etc. You fill out all the form, RPA picks that up, it processes it with your local C. PCP and or and or your closest testing center. The message comes back to your mobile phone and says you need to go to this current testing center to be tested. As soon as your test results are back, you receive your pass, you take that, you're able to board a plane, you're able to get back into the workforce, you take that to your to a digital scanner, they scan it and you're you're cleared to return to work. And there's there's a lot of capabilities. All of that is handled through a digital workforce and the time time is is amazingly cut down. Another thing that we're doing to impact the needs to get back into business is of course our Small Business Loans Association and getting the PPPs out uh, to keep our employees paid during this time of crisis while they're while they are being left a, you know at home or, or having to stay away from business and to keep our businesses from failing during this time. Those government loans were so far behind. There was no human uh, there was no human capability that was going to be able to process such a surge of loan capability during this time. And um, the digital task force was able to come in and clear that in a matter of days to the point that it was it was amazingly a Herculean effort by the digital task force, but they cleared all of that in a matter of, I think it's somewhere around 72 hours. We were doing a single uh, loan processing and getting the money out to the people who needed it the most within a minute per loan process that was that was put through. So those are some impacts that the digital task force is having that is even outside of the maneuvers and the mission of taking care of the people that are ill and being in the in that limelight as well. Yeah, I, I think you point out a great uh, a great element about uh, 
uh, how RPA allows you to scale. You know, if you if you think about it, uh, seven, eight years ago when we had uh, several cybersecurity breaches or, or whatever, you know, the retail business, the credit card business, uh, transaction sales, point of sales had to change how they did how they did business in order to combat that threat. How they solve that problem? They solve that problem with RPA. Similarly, we now have all sorts of transactions that a crisis has 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 caused to happen, and we've got to be able to scale to handle those number of transactions. And I think you gave a an absolute great example of of, of how of how that was. And I, I think that leads to a, to another good area about handling the the here and now crisis, and that is the ability to learn. As you know, when we go through when we went through those operations and those exercises together. Your, your team is better, you know, the third day and the fifth day than they were the first day, and, and the team keeps getting better. They, they, they become more familiar with each other, the situation, the resources at hand, the, the problem, the vision about where we need to go. I think RPA uh, allows the same thing. RPA is trainable, isn't it? And so, so we, can, we can teach that digital workforce in real time to handle situations and how it uses artificial intelligence, in fact, can in, in, enhance its learning to where it doesn't necessarily require human intervention to take a, to, to happen there. And so I, I really think that we've got some good examples of how R, RPA allows, uh, allows learning to mature during the crisis right along with the human workforce. Right, and I, t I totally agree. And I actually get excited about this part because of what you mentioned, the lessons learned while we were in action and while, while we were taking care of going through these exercises, it was like always having to have someone there and then do your debrief and then come back around again and then let's try it again in another state. Okay, maybe the same resources aren't there. But imagine if you had someone that was constantly monitoring what was being done and the, the activity that it was needed to correct those issues. With RPA, what we found in machine learning is the ability to watch somebody repetitively make the same mistake and correct it. Okay, so after the digital worker sees you correct a mistake two or three different times, then it automatically starts to correct, right? Because it has the machine learning capability built right there into the digital worker. After a few times of that happening and then reporting that information for us to bring it forward in our plans and, and changes, that in itself is, is a huge you know, that's a huge time to invest in a task force such as that because the not only is it listening to every command and everything that goes on and what caused that mistake, it's recording that information, fully recordable, fully auditable, and bringing you back documented evidence of what went wrong and what could have been corrected, as well as with the machine learning, going along and correcting those things as they happen in real time. This is very similar to something that we did with, with the NHS over in um, the UK, uh, deploy a digital task force that constantly monitors over 72 different systems that they have. And as mistakes are made or as changes are made, it records all of that information. And at the end of the day, there's a, a collated report available of, of what actually happened that day, what, what transaction changes needed to be applied. And if it's something that can be changed specifically within the digital worker themselves, then they learn that new process and add that new process to there. But the important thing is that once 
that is all accumulated, at the end of a six-month period of time or at the end of a year, there's no human involvement in that, but yet you're handed a document that says, this is all the areas that we've corrected. This is where we plan, you know, this is our recommendations for futuristic opportunities. So it gives you a, a solidified document to make your decisions off of for whatever corrective, corrective actions needed to take place for whether it be a healthcare system, such as uh, the one that we did with, with the UK, the NHS, or whether it be a military operation, such as what we're, you know, we're actually in the middle of right now in the crisis period. So that's, that's excellent information and that's, that's using the good of what we have going on right now. And I think I even heard you mention the other day that RPA is the first step because RPA is the digital worker that goes out and allows AI and machine learning to happen. So the first step in the process is bringing the digital workers to the task and, and letting them go with it and then uh, reaping the benefits of, of years of action that, that we've not had a constant digital, we, we talk about having a digital assistant, we call that our mobile phone, right? But in reality, we now have that available listening and taking notes to us on a continuous basis, probably even as we speak. I'm sure that some of my AI, AI is on the room and it's going to give me some feedback after the call. But, um, <laughs> you know, whenever you think about that, uh, there's so many times that, that that happens. Well, okay, let's take advantage of that in this time. And moving forward, what kind of changes and actions need to be done to make everything more appropriately and in sync, right? So that we never get hit by, we're always going to get hit by crisis, but we don't always have to be unprepared if we have a digital task force in play, right? Yeah, you brought up uh, uh, something that we have talked about, and I strongly believe that if you're a company, an organization, a government organization, or, or a private organization, you're looking to take advantage of artificial intelligence, the logical first step is an RPA, a series of digital workers that can go out and help discover those elements that would be beneficial to you with, with regard to uh, AI. So uh, any, any organization looking to start a digital workforce, I, I truly believe that that's the first element of, of walking down the, the journey to, to making AI uh, work for your organization in a, in, a, in a larger capacity. And Anna, you know, we, we've played around with these scenarios in re real life op operations, and we all know that there's the initial response, and we've got a goal. We're going to, you know, in this current one, we're going to flatten the curve. Okay, so what are you going to do after you flatten the curve? Well, <laughs> you know, so what, what, what's, what's next? Okay, so we, all right, so we, we, we flatten the curve. Uh, but as you know, there's another series of tasks that all of a sudden come on that swamp your, your, not only your expertise, but your available manpower. Because you're still mitigating the threat, you're still dealing with that curve, whatever that curve happens to be. But on the backside of that curve, things are starting. You know, for instance, we, we know that, that as, as you and I are talking, there are states and municipalities that are talking about coming out of the mitigation exercises that they've all been put in, the business about distance, social distancing, isolation, stay at home, closing down businesses and things like that. In fact, my, my state's coming, coming uh, you know, out of the closet, so to speak, at the end of this week. So, so the restrictions that have been on people and businesses and organizations are, are but, it, but still, you still have to manage the ongoing crisis 
but you've now got another set of tasks, set of execution tasks, which molds and shapes. And you know, you know, a very quick analogy that I think I think our our audience and uh, will will identify with, uh, as I know you do. You know, if you think after 9/11, you know, when 9/11 was happening, we were mitigating the threat, making sure we didn't suffer other physical attacks. And all the time that, that we were doing that, we were figuring out how to get the airlines back flying again and get commerce moving again back, back in the United States. So those end up being two simultaneous phases of the crisis. You're solving the original problem, and it's not yet solved, and yet you're creating a new after-the-crisis environment. And that's happening you know, right now. So if you thought you had a manpower shortage to start a crisis, you got a double manpower shortage when you're still trying to manage a crisis in addition to create the new after-crisis environment. And so I think the element of, of RPA, you know, uh, the need for it actually grows as a, as a crisis grows along when you get to this phase to where you've got two simultaneous tasks, mitigate, solve the original crisis, and then create the new after-the-crisis environment. Right, and you're absolutely right. They call it getting back to the new norm, but uh, again, similarly to what we did with 9-11, okay, we came through that crisis because that was like a heavy impact on a single day, right? But then there was a lot of activity centered around that. Then we had the threat of a biological threat, and okay, oh my gosh, why are we not prepared? Okay, so having to move all of that uh, that whole thing along is very similar to what we're doing here because the crisis didn't go away. And I was talking to some some healthcare companies this morning, and I was like, we understand that your crisis has not gone away. There still is a health crisis. It may have. Yes, we did flatten the curve. Okay, and like you said, what do we do now? How do we how do we move around that and continue to be protective of our constituents that are ready to get back into the workforce that have not been affected directly by or impacted by exposure to the virus, but yet still keep them protected, get them back into their workforce. And that doesn't make everything that we're doing, there is still a current crisis. And if if we ever thought we were short on healthcare workers, okay, I, I did a study the other day in a, a presentation and we were already 30,000 sh 30, short healthcare workers in the U.S. prior to this crisis, okay? There was, there was no way that a surge on that was not going to be impactful. And I was just, I was talking with uh, Mount Sinai uh, and a couple of other of our clients and some of their, their doctors were having to be replaced by doctors from another area because they were completely overtaxed tired after a certain, you know, after handling all of this. And they're like, how are we going to get other people back into work at the same time that we're pulling resources from another location? Well, the answer to that is to deploy more and scale upwards your digital task force to take on the mundane tasks so that the actual healthcare workers can, be, can get back to taking care of the health of the people and the digital workers can help to stand up the, the task force, such as the case with the SBA loan that, that I mentioned before and getting money back in the pocket so we can start to build that side as well. I have been excited and over the top with the responses that we've had 
with RPA during this time of crisis, and I can only see that it's going to get better. You know, as as this moves along and we start to really deploy the things that are a part of IoT, AI, and ML, that we can just we hand those off to them, and they they learn and know those things. And when I say them, I'm talking about the digital work uh, task force, learning all of these things that it would have taken for us to go and train new healthcare workers, or for us to go and train new workers on the technology that was needed to lead us in this crisis, we couldn't have. But the ability to have an already ready digital task force to take on that workload has been phenomenal, and I've been very excited about it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of exciting things. In fact, tomorrow, I am leading a a conference of about three dozen CEOs in a state capital in the United States for how, how do they react to all of these new requirements, new manpower requirements, and oh, by the way, some of the workforce has been laid off. And so again, the ability to, to use digital workers, not only to, to, uh, uh, to fill that void, uh, but also help bring your, your, uh, your human workforce back on board. They in fact can, can in fact train, train your workforce as they come back on board, new requirements, new training things, run them through new training modules, monitor progress on, on activities and things like that that the, that the human workforce has to accomplish when, when they come back on board. And again, it's, it's uh, the more you think about it, the more inventive we can become, the more innovative we can become with regard to using, using digital workers so that our human workforce does what we need the human workforce to do. You know, how many times have you been in a, a crisis situation and you've got your smartest person, your biggest subject matter expert out there hunting for information when they ought to be given direction and providing insight and things like that, they could have a digital worker going out there and gathering information that they wouldn't have to take time away from their high-valued contributions to the team because they're not out there hunting, hunting for data points. Right, and I totally agree. I, I, I'm excited about the about everything that we'll be able to do moving forward. Yeah, and again, as, as you know, and, and we've both experienced, all right, so, so the, uh, the crisis task force, human and digital, winds down, and the humans go back to their normal jobs. And as you, you and I know, we have, we have things called hot washes or, or reviews or, or, you know, what went wrong, what, what went right. And, and sometimes the motivation for your human workforce who's trying to get back to their regular positions, their regular jobs and things like that, to take the time to go through that to make sure that those lessons learned are captured or, or such is sometimes problematic. This is another area where I, I think that the, that the uh, digital workforce can play a big role because, as, as you, you've already said, they're completely auditable. Everything they do can, you know, is logged and traced and can be analyzed, what, you know, what was done right, what was not done right, et cetera, et cetera. So that set of the digital workforce can inform future training, can inform the creation of a of a future digital workforce and can inform the next human workforce that task force that falls in to the uh, federal, state, municipal infrastructure, you know, uh, that, that's set up by the National Emergency Response Plan, which, uh, which you and I, and this, this, this is kind of what's 
what, what stimulates this thought. You know, how many times have, have we seen improvements that need to be, needed to be done in the National Emergency Response Plan, but nobody took the time to document it? And so when they pull out the National Emergency Response Plan, they're fighting the last, you know, again, stealing a, a euphemism from my military, they're fighting the last war. Uh, and so when that new task force comes on, they don't need to be fighting the last crisis. What we learned during that last crisis of how we work, what information we need, what things need to be communicated, facilitated, coordinated, executed, et cetera, I think the digital task force can, again, provide this surge manpower capability to create this function that makes us better the next time we get together to fight a crisis. And I totally agree, and that's what I, I mentioned before, because as you and I have gone through this and we've seen, you know, what the general progression is, we see that everything you need to, to work on this crisis at, this, at the federal level is now going down to state level as they start to bring this information up. So while the digital task force has been recording this information at federal level and looking at what we did wrong, what we did right, you know, we're probably going to meet back up in D.C. and we're going to go over these plans again and we're going to say, you know, this is what could have been done differently. This is where technology needs to be implemented. And then we're going to talk to the states and say, hey, this is what was happening at the time that, that we were going through the crisis, this is the digital workers that we, we had in place. This is the digital information that they were able to capture. So let's, you know, let's put these same stop gaps in play now so that moving forward, you guys have the same AI reaction and machine learning reactions going on at state level, at county level, and all the way down to the hospital level that we've been using to combat some of these issues at federal level. So I definitely see that that's going to be a big part of us moving forward and transitioning from these plans. We're never going to fight, or we may fight the last war, as, as you said, but we're, there's always going to be something else around the corner, whether it be a storm or whether it be a tsunami or whether it be, you know, some other crisis that comes up. This one just happened to you know, negatively affect the, the health and well-being of our citizens. Uh, but there's always going to be some type of next hill that we're going to have to climb, right? We wouldn't be human if it wasn't, but that's because we are human. The digital workers are going to be steady in in their processes because they are designed and developed to do exactly what, what they do. So we have to take those lessons learned and revamp and use those forward. Yeah, I, I very much agree, Anna. Uh, and, and as I think about it, you know, we talk about what we're going to learn out, out of this, you know, and usually that discussion centers around well, we're going to learn about vaccinations. We're going to learn about about pharmaceuticals. We're going to learn about supply chains of things affecting healthcare and things like that. I, I submit that one of the big lessons that comes out of this ought to be the indispensability of creating a digital workforce to handle crises. What do you think? I would love nothing better. I would. I think that it would be fantastic to have a digital work. Why? I mean. We would not have been so had our people already been prepared with a digital task force that has already been aligned with our human task force that could have taken on and continued to run our economy while we ourselves as humans had to protect ourselves, right? So absolutely, I think that, that for every 
workforce that's out there right now, every human workforce, we need to be aligning a digital task force that has already learned what that person does and can can continue to actually mitigate these crisis situations and do it electronically. I, yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I very much agree. And 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 see, I, I recall when we started on this years ago uh, that there were four scenarios that we feared the most for the National Emergency Response Plan. One was a dirty bomb, i.e. a nuclear explosion of, of, of some kind, which also could be a nuclear power plant blowing up. Uh, the other was a chem bio attack on the water supply or the food chain. The third was a power grid interruption. And so if you think about, about how this pandemic interrupted our lives, we still had a good water supply and food chain, didn't we? We still had, by and large, good, good power, you know, we didn't have many power, any, many power grid interruptions. We may have discovered this business about digital interruption with capacity to, to, to work from home and move workers from one place to the other. But, uh, you know, I cannot imagine addressing a dirty bomb, a chem bio, against the water supply or food chain, or power grid interruption, or a pandemic. I can't imagine us ever again trying to address, address those types of crises without a digital workforce. I agree. It has, it has brought a total new dimension to um, all of the plans that we had previously. It's kind of been an eye-opener to see that. Um, and I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm glad we didn't have to experience that perfect storm because it's something that we always feared. But I would not walk into it again without, without having a digital task force beside us. Yep. Well, me personally, and I, I am, uh, it is great to reconnect with you to, to work these issues and, uh, and for Ridge Lane to, to work these issues with, uh, uh, with, with Blue Prism. Not only has it been a learning experience for us, because virtually all these experiences have great learning opportunities, but it's also a great, great opportunity for us to showcase moving forward, leveraging good technology to do good things for, for our fellow human beings. So I think, Anna, this, this is a, a perfect segue in, into the business of you and I consult and deal with organizations all over the country, if not the world, uh, about how to deal with, with these situations, you know, crisis situations. And as we all know that sometimes crises are perceived and sometimes they're real, and sometimes they're perceived as not real before we all of a sudden discover that they are real. And that discussion we see play out all along. And so I, I think that uh, people who have the responsibility for either pulling a task force together, organizing a task force, or even participating in a task force, you know, ought to be spring-loaded to say, you know, we need digital workers. And you can start out with a digital worker doing elementary things, and then it, you will realize quite rapidly how you can rotate that up, ramp that up, and, and, and actually trade up. And so from my perspective, the way in which Blue Prism approaches the RPA situation is, is they do it from the enterprise level, which means that it is securable, it is totally audible, and it doesn't put added workload on the workforce. It moves that workforce, that, that workload to the infrastructure. And so, so uh, you know, I would, I would implore any, anybody who is associated with a task force, auditing a task force, working in a task force, 
to demand that. And, and again, start start with the simple things of, you know, gathering information, you know, having bots go out and collect dots. And bots are really good at collecting dots, and bots can collect dots really fast. And then, then you go from collecting dots to disseminating dots, and you go from disseminating dots to correlate, you know, and, and, and one thing leads, leads to the other. And, and uh, I think the idea of, of AI and, and RPA, you know, robotic process automation, scares people and that they think that they have to bring in the total solution. But in fact, you can uh, dip a toe in the water, followed by your foot, create a beachhead, and then use that as a launching point. You don't, you don't have to use a blank sheet of paper as your launching point. So that would be my advice to organizations that, that are trying to clear the fog of a crisis. And I agree. And I think, I think it's all about the art of the possible. Time for collaboration, innovation. And I think that pretty much wraps up everything that, that we've talked about today. But before, before we go, I want to talk about first and foremost, as we leave this conversation, individuals, stay safe. This is a wartime. We are fighting uh, something that we can't see, smell, hear, touch. So be sure to approach your own safety strategically. Follow the guidelines, do the social distancing, isolation, cleansing, awareness at all times. If you're experiencing any of the symptoms, fever, dry cough, difficulty breathing, anything like that in public places, or if you've been in public places where there's a chance for exposure, then call the hotline at the CDC or contact your local hotline, and some of those centers will be opening up uh, very soon in your own backyard, basically. And visit the CDC website for any further instructions. Well, thank you so much, uh, General Myers. Thank you very much, Anna Toomey. You have brought our listeners full circle today. We started somewhere around adding the human component to the digital component, and then we ventured around how do we find people to face this pandemic? Where are the workers? Where are the digital workers? How do we train them? How do we get them ramped up to be responsive in the case or the face of emergency? RPA is a good first step, but then companies probably need to lean into AI and ML, bringing benefits forward. Dr. Myros, you took us around to how do we bring humans back to work? That's also a challenge, right? And we see RPA, digital workers, as a way to train humans back into what was happening when they had to be isolated and didn't, didn't have the opportunity to come into work to face the pandemic. Thank you both very much for bringing us a, a full circle to talk to this response, RPA, digital workers, and bringing a wealth of knowledge for our listeners today for them to heed, take, listen to. I'm sure that they'll want to be in touch with you. So I'm going to share some information and then attached to this social card for the, this episode, we'll have LinkedIn links so that you can be in touch with our presenters today. If you want to have a demonstration or some applicable use cases we have discussed today, some more information on them, please do contact Elsie Cook, who's our Vice President of Public Sector Sales and Alliances, and for Private Sector and Healthcare, Anna Toomey, Healthcare Solutions Consultant. Dr. General Myros, would you please share on how our audience can be in touch with you if they have any questions? Yes, you can uh, contact me through LinkedIn, through my LinkedIn link of, of Dale Myros. Additionally, uh, I have, uh, I have a, a web page uh, for the Myros Group, which is uh, myros.com. 
And that's dale at myrose.com. And if you want to get uh, in touch with me. Excellent. And we would encourage all of our listeners today to visit our website, blueprism.com, where you can enter your request for assistance under the COVID-19 Blue Prism Response Program. We thank you for listening today and thank you for joining us. Be sure to tune in for our next episode on Generation Digital Workforce. We thank you. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.